there's never been a better time to be a direct-to-consumer business. Join us as we uncover the strategies and scaling secrets of the world's most disruptive brands and agencies. This is DTC by Pilot House. Hello and welcome to All Killer No Filler. It is Friday and today we are tacking, tackling the biggest ad platform of them all, the elephant in the room, Google Ads. Uh, you know, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, they might be the soup du jour, but Google has quietly been serving the main dish uh, for over a decade and a half now. It's how I started my career in, in SEM. Um, and they've more recently been massively growing their offerings and really refining their <laughs> algorithms. So Pilot House early on its inception recognized, obviously, this, this uh, you know, being a massive priority. So we put together a really uh, excellent Google team, and I'm really excited to bring them together today. I think you guys have over, I want to say over 20, over 30 years of experience maybe on the platform um, so I'm excited to, today to, to have a talk about, about how to, to really make things work. I want to welcome uh, Saul Garcia, uh, the head of our Google department, as well as uh, lead media buyer, Richard Clement and Raphael Scott. Uh, welcome to All Killer No Filler. How are you guys doing? Good, Eric. How are you? Pretty Good well. Yeah, I'm doing uh, great. Right off the top, what's one thing that people do wrong with Google ads? Oof. One thing? One thing. <laughs> Uh, I mean, there's there's a bunch. Uh, Richard and I were just talking about that with with Raphael, but I think uh, and just to just to quote Richard is like just thinking that Google ha uh, has your your best interest all the time, and uh, we we like to think that they have your best interest as long as they can also make a bunch of money. So you always have to take up those uh, recommendations with a grain of salt. And I think that happens a lot with the Facebook reps too. I've I've seen I've seen the the, the Facebook um, or Facebook guys Nathan Taylor beat over and over again like the best practices. Yeah. On the Facebook side of things, so. I love this so, as a first first starting point, just because it's like I've always said this. This is a little vulgar to start off the cast with, but I've always said that Google AdWords is a bit of a fuck you platform, because if you go on it and you're not very specific about how you want it to operate, it's probably going to fuck you a little bit. Like it's 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 not it's not going to give you exactly what you want. So to me, the expertise that you guys bring, having this many years on the platform in my layman's terms, is kind of like that ability to sort the wheat from the chaff and really get into to the people you really want to target in the ways, in the times you want to target them. And, and, and you get really good at telling Google to fuck off with its bad traffic and really focusing on the good stuff. And then finding a way to do that at scale and to actually scale those, those kind of findings. Is that, is that a, a layman's you know, idea of, of how Google works? I think that's a pretty good uh, summation of how Google, of how Google works. Um, I, I, I set my first ad in Google in 2003 and um and ever since then it's just been a platform that i mean it's it's grown but but it's been a platform that makes google money and if you're clever enough and good enough and whatever then maybe you can make some money out of it too as an advertiser but but it always makes them money so they're like the uh, they're like the bookies at the uh at the racetrack um you know there's the odd uh, the odd punter makes a bit of money but but the bookies always make their money and, and google are basically the bookies in in this scenario and 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 what are some of those ways that um you know, you can be clever uh, on the Google Ads platform. Like, could you, could you break break that down for us a little bit? I think it's making sure that um, you're 
you're being honest and, and uh, specific in your in your targeting. I mean, you know, Google, you've got the display network, we've got YouTube, but the core of it is is search. And, and when people search, um, you know, they can get very specific, very specific that they're saying, you know, I want to buy, uh, you know, a gray big big blanket, ten by ten um, in, in size. Then you know, and obviously the intent is so strong, and that's where Google really comes into its own um, versus Facebook or. Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever, um, those searches are, are so full of intent that you can obviously tap into those. Um, I think where people make a mistake is that they they wander off from those and go, well, it could be could be a comforter, you know, it's a blanket, but it could be a comforter or it could be um, it could be a piece of, you know, I don't know, bedroom design. So they go off chasing these other these other keywords, um, and Google is very happy for you to go and chase these other keywords uh, that aren't aren't so full of intent. And, and unless you're very good at um, getting your landing pages set up uh, to uh, convince people <laughs> that your product isn't one of the, these, it's actually a, it's actually could be a comforter or it could be a, a piece of, of bedroom design, um, then that's where uh, it, it falls short and, and people fall short. And and when it comes to the the landing page, I've I've been very curious about this because um, because I I mainly you know buy media on Facebook. Um, is there are there best practices for the landing page itself uh, when you're running traffic from Google that's different from running traffic from Facebook, or is that just kind of post-click stuff and you know generally they're the same? Um, I'll, I'll go first here. Maybe Saul can jump in afterwards. But I, I it's similar, but I think obviously the the keyword in, intent uh, is is huge. Matching matching the search term that somebody's typed in to the ad to obviously get them to click in the first place. And then making sure that, that that keyword is featured highly on the page. Um, and then obviously then I think you can then sort of move into your normal um, sort of landing page and, and start thinking about conversion optimization the way you would on Facebook or, or, or any other platform. But, but getting that keyword match is, is hugely important. Okay, so really similar to, to SEO best practices in a way. Is that right? It is because it's, an, it's yeah. an extension of that. Um, it really is, yeah. This this yeah. dynamic web experience, we were doing this back. I, I bought my first uh, Google ad probably back in 2006 or so back at Neverblue. Uh, and and I remember, and, and really early on, we realized that power of dynamic keyword insertion, both in the ad, but also on the landing page. Uh, we ran into issues at that point where Google was then telling us that we were not writing actual page content about this stuff. We were just dynamically inserting what we wanted them to have. And then they busted us on that. Uh, can we talk a little bit about Google's evolution as a platform? Like, you know, we, I started off with some incendiary stuff, calling it a FU platform, but <laughs> it's also gotten a lot better at finding your ideal customers. Can you talk about like in the last, like, how do you guys, Saul, how do you see the evolution of the platform and how much better has it gotten, let's say in the past two or three years? Um, especially in the last two or three years, I think that um, artificial intelligence has gotten a lot better. Um, in actually del del delivering results for, for advertisers. Um, I think four years ago, Richard and I first started working with, uh, you know, maximized conversion settings, those, those kind of like machine learning bidding strategies. And back then they were, they were pretty bad. Uh, most people were very skeptical about letting Google just take over your bidding uh, methods, especially agencies or people that knew a little bit about uh, AdWords. Uh, since then, they've gotten better, and they've also gotten, 
I think less cheeky about how they operate their bidding methods and, and you can you can trust the algorithm a little more than you used to be able to uh, to actually find um, the right people and the right the, because I explain this a lot to people um, that when they come to an agency the first thing is like well if you're gonna go on on, on, on automatic return on ad spend bidding why will I come to you right you're just but it's it's a difference between you still have to set up everything properly. Then the difference is between someone uh, that's just the same search, a big blanket, the same same search, two people, Google would bid on the person that's more likely to buy that big blanket and not show the ad to the other person to Got avoid it. wasting budget on that person once you've trained that algorithm properly. So it's a little bit like the Facebook pixel that you can actually train it to do what you want. And you can also, once you learn and once you're in the in, in the platform, through trial and error, you can find little hacks on how to like use the algorithms. The, the algorithm is greedy. Like it wants you to spend money. So you can use that greed in your favor, that, that programming that they've got at Google there um, in your favor for you to be able to do a little better for your clients. So that's interesting. How do you leverage that? How, how do you, and, and, is, and then is that how you do that? The scaling side, because that's the one, the one limiting factor of, of Facebook is you're not manufacturing demand for things in the same way uh, as you are on an interruptive platform like Facebook. Uh, so Google is yeah more intent-based less. So, so is that one of the ways that you, that you can actually really drive scale with Google ads by, by, by training that algorithm to, to find the right people in the right spots? You can, you can find like, uh, and, and we always tell this to, to, to people that first come with us, like we will find them scale. It won't be as like on Facebook, once you find a pocket, you burn through it, right? You go for it and you like rocket ship. With Google, you can create that volume, but you just have to be more systematic and, and you have to be a little more patient. Uh, we've had clients that went from five grand a year to $350,000 a month uh in two years and wow. but, but you see that it's it's a it's a it's an airplane uh, taking off it's not it's not a ski jump um, and, and is that because you've just got to con you've got to carefully expand the the, the yeah. keywords that you're targeting essentially well it, it carefully expand what you're targeting uh let the work that also like you know the, the other work that's being done in let's say youtube or or facebook other brand like you know brand awareness type platforms that can help you get to more people um, and let the branded learnings also help your generic. So what I was just talking about with the algorithm, if you have branded search and people are buying the branded searches, right? They're high intent there. That trains your algorithm to know, okay, this person just bought branded. Um, I, this person has these characteristics. So on a generic search for the same, like in the same account, it's going to look at that person. It's like, oh, this person looks a lot like the person that bought branded. So I will show the ad to this person. And this other person looks a lot not like the person that bought branded. So I'm going to pass on this one. It takes a while, and, but it works. Yeah. And sorry, just for, for an inexperienced Google guy like myself, uh, could you just uh, clarify what a branded search is? Is that just when they're searching for the brand name? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, Let's, let's say uh, JBW, it's exactly people looking for JBW watches. That's a brand search. Um, that obviously as the brand grows and it's grown with Pilot House over two years, there's more branded searches, but uh, using those brand search 
learnings and uh, the algorithm has all those other signals that can help you decide in a generic search, okay, this is a good person to show the ad to, and this is not a good person. Okay, that's all. That's awesome. It's actually that's been a bit of a point of confusion for me because I've heard that um, uh, the ROI on branded search is generally quite good. Um, yeah. But what I don't understand, like, why is that? So they're they're get, they're going to search for JBW. Chances are pretty pretty good that JBW is going to be the first thing that shows up in the search. And then there's also the branded search ad that'll show up above that, unless I'm missing something. Is that right? Do I have yeah. that? No, that's correct. But, so, so why does that work so well? Uh, well, top of the page. Well, top of the page. But it's the top uh, of the page uh, anyway. I, I'll, I'll let um, Richard expand, but it's it's pretty, um, uh, it's just intent, right? The person is already looking for the brand. Uh, and even between brand lookers, there's a difference between uh, a person that's still on a consideration or even just uh, top funnel stage and a, and, a, and a buying stage. So with a well-trained algorithm, you start you stop showing on brand searches for the ultimate tire kickers. So a good example for JBW, we've had questions about, hey, I just looked for my own brand on Google and we weren't coming up first on, on branded. And it's okay. It's big. And then we have to explain that it's because we're not on a ultimate always first bidding for their brand. We're in a return not spend as much money as we can make from bidding on your brand as possible. So I think, yeah, I mean, and, and therein lies an, lies an issue. I've had clients in the past who are very much, uh, what's that old golf al analogy, drive for show and putt for dough, is that, is that, is that yeah, what it is? Um, it. Where, you know, so they're like, I have to be number one. Every time somebody searches, I have to be number one. And it's like, well, no, you don't actually have to be number one because um, as Saul said, you're, you're going to get tire kickers and people doing research and, and whatever else. And, and Google's algorithm has definitely gotten um, way better at figuring out who are the tire kickers and who are people who are, who have got more intent. And I think just to get back to Kyle's question there about, you know, why would you have an ad and when you've got your organic listing? And, it, and that's because you've got so much more control over your, over your ad, your organic listing, you know, that, re that relies on somebody knowing their SEO um, and making sure that the title tag is right, the description's perfect. You know, have they got those site links, you know, set up within Search Console? Maybe, maybe not. Whereas when you go to, to Google Ads, you can absolutely, you know, you're you're 100 control over, uh, you know, the, the title, the description, your your callouts, uh, your site links. You can throw a structured snippet in there. Maybe you want to put a promotion extension in there if you're running one. I mean, literally, you can get massive amounts of real estate. Um, with your with your ad that you, you can't get with your your organic listing and 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 they're and they're in, in doing so you get more you do get more clicks you absolutely get more clicks even though your your brand is the first organic uh, your brand listing. Back awesome. when I was uh, back when I was doing SEM, uh, I was I would never click on an ad. I was always like, oh, I wouldn't click on that. I want to charge the money. But now, like, just because of the way they've I think positioned the search results page and how like and and how much better people have gotten at Google AdWords, like I often will click ads because because they also take up a lot of that real estate. You actually have to scroll down a fair amount to even find the first organic result at this point. So it's it's pretty smart by Google on their part. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I'm really good at that. And just another thing, to yeah, jump in, Ref. Oh, sorry. Yeah, just about why the ROI is often so high on branded. It's because usually the keyword costs for branded keywords are so much lower than anything else we run in the account. 
So if you go back to the JBW example, uh, those keywords typically cost a fraction of what something like men's diamond watch or watches in general would cost because there's so many other competitors bidding on them. Whereas for the JBW keyword, it's only JBW and then maybe one or two competitors actually bidding on that keyword and lowering the price in the auction. Yeah, that that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and uh, some something else we we hear a lot and we we uh, explore is is how uh, how Google Ads uh, relates to and works with uh, Facebook. Um, are you guys able to talk a bit about um, you know strategies uh, you've uh, you've explored? Um, with Facebook? Um, <clears throat> uh, I'll start um, back in same thing that Richard and I have a have history. So we both started working with uh, Facebook audiences in 2016. So pretty much what you what you do is you, we use analytics a lot. Um, a lot of uh, SEM people don't don't use analytics. I don't know why, but uh, at Bible House and our method, we try to use analytics as much as possible. Um, and uh, you can create segments, right? In analytics, you can create segments of traffic coming from different places. Um, just like the Facebook guys use the GC, uh, GCLID ID uh, stuff on Facebook, we can do the same thing using analytics, uh, grabbing all traffic coming from Facebook sources or Facebook ad sources um, coming into, <clears throat> into analytics. And then from there, we can retarget on Google ads, if you want, or YouTube or display that type of thing. I love it. Like let's, let's dig it. That's something we've talked about in the podcast. There's, there's two things. First of all, supercharging your audiences with branded keyword bidding that that's the, you know, we've talked about that quite a bit. That's something everyone I think needs to be doing. And that other thing is that is actually supercharging your Facebook audiences by, uh, you know, tying the Facebook pixel to the, the Google click ID. So you can actually get intent rich audiences into Facebook from Google Two huge tips. If you're not doing that out there. Um, and then, and then beyond that, you can also, as you're saying, so, so what does that mean practically? If you can then, you then, you know, track the Facebook, um, is, does that help us with attribution? Cause I guess that's the big question that we wanted to dig in a little bit about the, there's, there's this quiet, you know, war between, uh, the Facebook buyers and the Google buyers, everyone, you know, we're, we're wanting to, everyone wants attribution. Uh, how does this, what you've just said about tracking Facebook purchases through Google analytics play into that attribution game and who really deserves the, uh, the conversion? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. I'm being recorded. Tell us what Great you really question. think, Saul. Tell us what you really think. Don't hold. Don't hold back. No, no. I, I, I think they're complementary. Um, I actually think that if you have a full stack agency or someone that's working with all of your uh, media buys, it has to be. <clears throat> it, you have to distribute that. Um, that attribution um, evenly. I, I think that um, nowadays, it, like it's super hard to know exactly. There are so many touch points and we see it with our clients. Like right now we're running everything on Facebook and Instagram for them, everything on the Google channels for them. And then both like they all, all of those steps have a little bit of attribution, right? Like someone that saw the, an ad for the first time, um, on, on, on Facebook, maybe the first click they ever have um, to the website is actually on Google. And then they both are gonna get retargeted by both YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and maybe WhatsApp. So there's just so many touch points nowadays that uh, I don't think you can actually 
say that one medium is doing um, more lifting than the other. Um, you have to do both, I think. Totally, yeah. I, 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 I agree that they're not, they're not mutually exclusive. <clears throat> you know, if you're going to make the most out of your, your, your digital marketing, you've, you've got to have all these different platforms. I think the difficulty comes in, you know, and, and where <clears throat> maybe we, we butt heads a little bit, you know, is like, um, if, if one platform is getting, is, is being allowed to, um, <clears throat> you know, choose, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the platform conversions and one platform is being forced to use analytics conversions. Because you can't, because if you took, if you just took the platform um, conversions from Facebook and from Google ads, uh, they're going to add up to more than you've actually sold. Um, what kind of overlap do you think? Does it vary account to count or is it sort of consistent? Uh, personally, I, you know, I've, I've seen 25, 30% over, overlap. Oh, yeah. Makes um, sense. You know, it, it will differ, you know, from... from uh... So you're saying you need that source of truth in a lot of ways. And, and this is also a, a subtle add to having a full stack agency where you have a holistic approach to this. So you're not having different interested parties fighting over conversions, right? Exactly. I mean, an analytics is obviously kind of the the, tr the truth, but but of course it's last click. It's only last click. So, you know, you're, you're really going to miss out on on the, the input that... That both Facebook and, and Google are actually having on, on your on your business if you just if you just take Google Analytics, um, you know, and if you're going to get really serious, you know, you probably want to look into platforms like Rockerbox and things like that. That you know they cost tens of thousands a month uh, just to put on your site. But if you're really serious and your business is big enough, sure, go go and look at those, and you'll see all the different you know touch points um, as as Saul mentioned, and and then you can really get get a feel for it. But um, but no, I think that's the I think that's always 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 the difficulty, but I think ultimately you've got to have all of these different different platforms. And if any any platforms had a, a touch point along the line, um, you know, then it should get some sort of attribution for it. Another piece that's a little foggy to me is uh, is is retargeting on Google. It, in in my mind, it, it it makes more sense on Facebook because at the top of the funnel, you know, you can you know tailor content, you can introduce your brand, blah blah blah. As you move them down the funnel, you can tailor that content even more, and you have a lot of control over uh, what they see. Um, and you know, these are people who are scrolling, and you're trying to stop that scroll versus folks on Google who are who are searching. Um, so I'm wondering, would you guys be able to break down like? how how you guys look at retargeting on google i mean retargeting isn't what it was on google uh, you know absolutely not before before facebook came along you know <laughs> retargeting was the best thing you could ever do you know get your retargeting uh, audiences set up get your get your ads in there and and you were guaranteed to probably see five six seven percent conversion rates maybe even higher on on, on the right uh, on the right client um but but facebook came along and suddenly people are spending all their time on Facebook, you know, they're not spending all their time on, you know, on, on sites that make up uh, Google's display network. They're 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 in and out of the display network. So so as soon as Facebook came along, conversion rates on retargeting campaigns, remarketing campaigns, you know, did 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 come down significantly. Does that mean that we shouldn't do it and we and we don't do it? No, but it is. It's a, it's actually much much harder now to to really get a, a good good ROI on it. I think the the key thing and what we we try to do is to really segment. The audience. Um, so we're using Google Analytics, we're using uh, Google Ads uh, audiences, and we're really segmenting the audiences 
by, you know, where did they go on the site? Did they, did they look at the product page? If there is one, did they get to the conversion page? Did they add to cart? Did they look at the, could they get to the checkout? Did they stay more for more than a minute? Did they look at more than three pages, five pages? And by combining all of those factors in, um, then, you know, then we've got, then we can really start to, to, to get really good segments that we can tailor our message, i.e. Our, our, our ads to, uh, and get them back into the, into the right page on, on, on the site. And, and that works. Good here. We have to yeah, tap into some of these. On the, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead, Raph. No, you go no, ahead. No, yeah, no, I was just saying uh, retargeting we've noticed on the Google Display Network uh, has absolutely insane returns for us. Uh, so we do search as well, retargeting. But uh, Display Network is typically like one of the most difficult channels to obtain like profitability on. Uh, so retargeting really aids our efforts on that. And so then you're retargeting people who search for specific things with display ads. Uh, yeah. Or we retarget people who have searched for certain things or people who have already visited our website and filled those kind of conditions that qualify them as a high intent customer. So like Richard was saying, visited five or more pages, you know, been on the website yeah. for more than 60 seconds kind of thing. And then those qualifies the customer in our mind as high intent. You know, they were interested in the site content that we provide with them. And they decided to stick around. And so we'll retarget them with our display ads. Very cool. Now, you, you, you guys wrote down some notes for this podcast. And I asked for a few notes on like what people are doing wrong with Facebook. And we'll have to be publishing this in the newsletter because you wrote, you wrote a bit of a book. And I feel like we only scratched the surface about all the things people are doing wrong. And I feel like we should get into a few more ideas. Who's got something else that people are currently doing wrong? I like yours, Saul, about breaking up the AI a little bit. Can you let us know what you mean by that? Oh, I'm going to have to review the notes, but, um, yeah, well, I mean, there, there, there's, there's a few things that, um, so it, it's not so much that people do it wrong, but it's a hack. So it's, it's an exclusive. You're going to give nice. away the secret. Here we go. And, uh, you can actually, so for shopping campaigns, we discovered early on that, and you have to stomach the risk because it could, it, like, I don't know, it has never gone wrong for us, but so far, um, if you set up a very high budget, but you also give the algorithm a very high return on ad spend um, objective. Okay. And as an example, I'll give you that, like, you're used to spending $100 per day on, on shopping, right? And you have a very decent 300% return on ad spend objective. If you actually set that up to $5,000 per day and 800% objective. Uh, and this works particularly well with higher priced items. Um, the system tries to find not only people that are more propen to, propense to buy, but also people that are more propense to spend more money on site. So that strategy, we've used it with um, our uh, jewelry client, we've used it with the uh, um, blanket client, um, and uh, we started using with this, like even uh, lower average value uh, clients, like under a hundred dollar ones, and it's worked every time. So your return on ad spend goes from two, three times return on ad spend to five, seven, nine, and it doesn't scale fast. Like I'm gonna say, it's uh, from today to tomorrow, you're gonna make um, 10 times uh, more revenue and 10 times more return on ad spend, but you will make like five times more return on ad spend. And then over months, your revenue is also going to grow. 
is it like whale hunting essentially? It's just it's just like overloading the system to look for the highest value people. Yeah, I think that's that's how I I am not like <laughs> Richard and I used to have this sales guy that used to say that Google has more engineers than NASA. Yeah. So I don't I don't think I don't think that we're smarter than them, but I I do think that because they've made their system so uh, propensed to find like you're giving it constraints, right? It's it's like, yeah. like any computer system, you're giving it uh, um, a constraint and a goal, um, so it tries to achieve that goal within that constraint, right? It wants to spend that five thousand. That's the, that's the goal of the of the of the program. Spend the five grand a day. But it can only spend the five grand a day if it gives you seven times return on ad spend on five grand. So now I have to look for those people that actually are going to spend a lot of money so I can get to that point so I can spend the five grand. So yeah. I think that's that's kind of how, that's why it works, I think. Great tip. But, but, that, but that actually brings me to, to, um, to, to one of my tips and, and that's in a very similar vein is that there's another conversion strategy out there called max conversions. <clears throat> and the uninitiated would look at that and go, ah, oh, Absolutely, I want to maximize conversions, um, but it's actually a budget uh, strategy. So the first thing that it will do is it will spend your daily budget <clears throat> as, as much as it possibly can. It'll spend your daily budget, and then it'll try and get you some <laughs> the conversions that it can get um, with while it's spending that that daily budget. So as opposed to target ROAS, which is what um, Saul was talking about there, return on ad spend, it's trying to find the customers at a certain price. Max conversions is actually going to spend your hundred bucks a day, and at the same time try and trying to find as many conversions as it can. So it's a budget, it's a budget strategy. Whereas target ROAS, target CPA, they're actually they're proper um, return uh, return strategies. And you can run these parallel tests essentially. You can, you can, um, but uh, but once you know, typically once you get a, a campaign that's working well on target CPA, target ROAS, you you would never go back to, to max conversions. And in fact, max conversions is a strategy I rarely I rarely use. Rarely use. Interesting. Very cool. What about you, Rafa? What 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 uh got any tips for the audience? Yeah, absolutely. So my number one thing would be uh, mistakes uh, that people do not testing cold prospecting on the Google Display Network, like we talked about. So retargeting super commonplace on Google display, uh, but people often don't really test cold prospecting. So targeting an audience that's never heard of your brand. Uh, it's difficult to do for sure. We've tried it on with tons of different clients and we've seen a little bit of success, but on the clients that we do see success with, sometimes it can drive up to 40% of the revenue, which is pretty big. Um, especially when you consider the reach of the display network, it's 98% of the World Wide web, I think is what it covers. Uh, so it's borderline foolish, I would say, in some cases to not test it, um, especially. So my one tip there would be using custom intent audiences. So those are audiences that you can create yourself using URLs from what pages you think your customers have visited. Um, and that can provide like really, really high intent audiences that have much higher conversion rates uh, than the audience Google provides you. Um, so, yeah, no. Number one hot tip right there, test test cold prospecting on the display network because um, it can often be extremely successful. Very, very Good cool. Um, I'm just looking. You guys have so much information here to kind of dig into. Uh, I'm excited to publish this here. Uh, I, it's all you wrote something here about uh, in all caps. So I know it's serious. Do not do three different campaigns for each device. Tell us, tell us where this came from and what this refers to. 
Yeah, um, I don't know. Since um, since we started the Google department at Pilot House, we've gotten um, some some new um, some new clients with and and or whenever we review a prospective client, we always get not always, but often we get um, people that have the same like let's call it a generic campaign for um, you know like a list let's call it a list of five different keywords um, and they have the same on the same campaign three times so let's call it they have one for tablet one for mobile one for pc mm-hmm. and and then within that or maybe even they create more campaigns they have one for exact match one for broad match one for phrase match um, and every time when I, 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 I never learned that strategy from anyone. Uh, like I, I never heard it before until I started seeing it coming in. Um, I kind of got all of my training from Google, uh, like my initial, initial training, yep. um, uh, just following the Google courses. And there was nothing like that. And you know, there's hacks that sometimes work, but I, since I've never seen it, uh, and I would see like poor performance, right? Like just to me, it's split budgets and it doesn't let the actual, like it doesn't take a benefit of the algorithms and the learnings because you're trying to over control everything. Um, and every time we've switched all of this, like, you know, segmentation into one campaign and making sure that, yeah, you have to pay attention at your devices and your device bit adjustments and, and your keyword lists and match types, but everything I think has to be consolidated within one good campaign uh, so that you can use the learnings from that campaign within that campaign. If you're um, always limiting the reach of your campaign, you're not gonna get learnings ever and you're always gonna be working in a very small, um, you're you're not gonna be able to grow it. Uh, Same happened with shopping when I was working with the, um, we're working with that big um, vitamins company same thing, like the first thing we got was uh, three different levels of shopping. Um, and and I think- you actually Which is like top, someone, middle and bottom of funnel, right? Yeah, you actually had someone on the podcast that, that professes that. <laughs> oh no. Uh, and, uh, and I will never do that. It's just, Interesting. It, 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 it takes takes away learnings. I, I don't know, I, I've- and 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 to and to be honest, my uh, Richard was my teacher here on shopping, and and I never saw Richard do that either. So, um, what do you say about that, Richard? Yeah, no, stay stay clear of those. I mean, the only time I would ever consider splitting a shopping campaign, for example, is is um, if if the client was adamant that we had to somehow uh, split out brand brand and non brand, uh, because you know branded branded search actually does can can trigger shopping ads. And of course, that the addition of the picture makes it a very strong ad, and and you will get, you know, you will get good uh, good returns on them. So if somebody insisted that we we had to bring uh, separate our brand, then then sure, uh, you know, there are ways and means of doing it. But but Saul's hundred percent right. Um, otherwise, when you when you split it, um, particularly now, you, you know, Google's AI is getting so much better, and um, and and you're just limiting limiting learning. So so no, I wouldn't wouldn't do it. 
Love it. Uh, I think we're 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 running on time here, and I and I think uh, we're just going to have to have you guys back. We got, we we have to have a Google podcast more often. We ha- our audience is crying out for stuff on YouTube, which we'll jump into maybe next time. I wanted to maybe end this one by just asking what like there's so many different I think tools in the Google ecosystem, and I'd be wondering uh, w- wondered uh, if there's if there's underused tools on the Google platform itself, or if there are any external tools that you guys find uh, are sort of indispensable. I mean, for, for me, um, it's a bit of an old one. You, you probably used it, Eric. Um, Google Ads Editor um, is, is, a, is a great, great tool. Um, when you start managing multiple accounts or you've got an account that's got lots of uh, ad groups and, and products, maybe you've got a, you know, an e-commerce uh, pl- uh, a client and they've got you know, into the hundreds and thousands of, of products, managing something like that manually is, is it's hard work and, and time consuming, you know, whereas ads, Google Ads Editor, really does allow you to manage something like that at, at scale, you know, very, very easily. So I, I'm a huge, huge fan of ads. Editing. Nice. Yeah. Uh, anyone else? I would say I... analytics. We were just talking about that. I would yeah. say analytics. Uh, yeah. I, another thing we, we, we often get uh, a lot of, a lot of clients that don't really leverage analytics properly or their old agency wasn't leveraging analytics. Uh, sometimes it's on purpose and sometimes it's just negligent. Like they just forget, but, yeah. Nice. How about you, Rafa? Any tools? What about like keyword? Gen- do you still use keyword generation tools? This takes me back to 2005, but like, are you still pumping? Like, are you just using Google suggestions in your own mind or are you using, are you using other external tools? Totally. Yeah. So we actually have SEM rush, which is a keyword research tool. Um, pretty useful because it shows competitors who are using the keywords as well. Um, and it's pretty accurate. Uh, got pretty accurate price insights as well. Uh, so we use that. Um, we use optimizer as well for a little bit. Uh, that kind of used AI learnings to um, manage our campaigns for us. So how we would do that is it would automatically find losing ads for us. It would automatically find keywords that weren't working, keywords that were converting at the right rates. Um, and these are all kind of tools that just make our lives a little bit easier. Uh, so we're more than capable of actually going into AdWords and kind of looking through all 500 to 1,000 keywords ourselves and making these kind of decisions. But these tools, especially Optimizer, really just speed up the process but they come at a pretty steep price so well i mean this is awesome i I actually i literally just downloaded a google ads editor uh didn't even know it existed so so very excited um before we before we wrap up here guys um uh just a couple questions if people um you know want to really dive into uh, google ads and and learn how to how to leverage it uh very effectively are there any resources you guys recommend yeah, I'll start with that one. Any resources? Yeah. Uh, Google's Skillshare, a Skillshop program. Yeah, uh, I mean, all of our junior buyers have to uh, take the courses and take exams. It's their first week uh, nice. training pro- pro- process. So it, it actually does teach people a lot, quite a bit. So I, I think that's a great place to start. So awesome. Awesome. And then, uh, yeah. And then is there anything that we, we should have asked you guys, but we didn't? No, no. Okay. Then I have one more. Cause there's one more. I want to know. This is just a quick one. What's what are, what's the key difference between Facebook media buyers and Google ads buyers? Help. Is there anything predisposed? Like it's like in hockey goalies, almost all goalies are like head cases. 
right? So goalies are just, if, you, if you're taking a position where you're getting pucks fired at you at 100 miles an hour, like you've got some, maybe something wrong with you. I'm, I'm wondering, if, is, any shots we can fire across the bow about the difference between Facebook buyers and Google buyers? <laughs> well, I, I, I did say on the notes there that we do say yo less. <laughs> yo, we do say yo a lot. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, what else, Richard? It's because you have the yeah. best words. I mean, I, I think, I think honestly, the, the main difference is that the, the Facebook guys and girls are, are are more focused on on media and creatives because they trust they trust the Facebook algorithm to 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 work, um, whereas we don't trust the Google algorithm to to work. Uh, so we're very focused on data, and obviously the search platform, it, you know, by its very nature, isn't isn't um, doesn't do a whole lot of creative. Um, so we're not as creative fo focused, whereas I think the Facebook guys and girls they're they're much more creative focused because that really does that, that's what uh, makes makes the difference on on their platform. I think you got to be more patient as a as a as an AdWords buyer, right? Because with 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 uh, AdWords, you see how old I am there. Um, but uh, with Facebook, you're forcing the issue. You're interrupting someone in their newsfeed. You're saying, Hey, look at me, look at me. Whereas I feel with Google, with Google, you're like aggregating intent over time. And you're, you know, like, that's how I remember feeling working on the platform. Like with, with, with AdWords, when you're really dialed in to your accounts, it's just like, it's like you're a part of that ecosystem and you can kind of tell when things are wrong. And, and then that idea of just like slowly, carefully growing, the way that you you sort of capture intent, it seems to me like the mindset that works on the platform. Whereas Facebook, you're just like, woohoo. <laughs> yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah. I, I, nice. I totally I totally agree with that. But but you know, if if you're gonna do anything other than bottom of funnel, you know, uh, high intent campaigns on, on Google, you've got to start thinking outside of the box and and uh, and then you're starting to look at you look at audiences and um, and obviously how you can leverage the display network and YouTube and that sort of thing. And, and that's, that kind of, I think, separates the good Google ad buyers from the kind of average one. Do you have any idea what they're going to do in the future on the platform? Like, obviously you guys aren't working for Google. Have they announced any intents to build out new kinds of products or services or do you, like what, what way do you see the platform evolving in the next three years? If, if, if the big changes have happened in the past three. I think um, that, I mean, already. So I don't, I don't know if you noticed, but a couple of months ago, they Google announced that they're now not going to show you 100% of the search terms um, from from your ads. I mean, that was the big that was the big selling point of ads for many years. Was that yeah. you know you're getting all of that data. Well, a couple of months ago, they announced no, we're not we're not going to show you that data for privacy reasons. Um, so that's so that's that's huge. So what that's going to mean is is making sure that um, you know our use. I think our use of audiences. Um, is is going to be is going to be crucial, and I think leveraging the the AI, you know, so things like uh, dynamic dynamic search ads yeah. are are getting are getting much much better than they were when they when they first launched. Obviously, these smart campaigns, uh, but I think it's really making sure that we're we're tapping into the uh, tapping into the audiences. Mm -hmm. That's going to be where that's going to be where the, the platform's going. Awesome. Any final words there, Saul? You mentioned smart smart campaigns in your notes. Oh uh, yeah, um, and this was a like I, like we said like we do a lot of trial and error. Um, like like Richard said, whenever even testing CPA or ROAS or etc. Et et you you try it and then you, you you see if it would you get a feeling if it's gonna work or not. Uh, but it's the same thing. Like at least at we don't have we have a certain process, but we don't have a, a one size fits all type thing. So when something's not working, we're not 
that's that's one of the things that I, I sometimes people get on a on a on a on a break and they get dizzy because you know um, so with us we, we we try everything and and one of the things that we found just by trying everything for one of the clients was that smart campaigns uh, it's not by a lot of agencies because they they they, they feel dumb um, actually work very well to lower costs for service uh, customers. So lawyers, uh, I'll tell you right now, like lawyers and plumbers, for example, are some of the most expensive clicks you can have in the industry. Why? I don't know, but they're like, they're up there with software, like B2B software, lawyers and plumbers. It's just insane how expensive it can be. Uh, And we found through just trial and error that smart campaigns at a local level for these type of advertisers can actually save 50, 60, 70% in cost per clicks. Because these are, these are Google's dream advertisers. As far as I've understand Google as a platform, they've had always had such an emphasis on local in a way, right? They really like that, you know, that Google is this appendage for how you, you know, you know, integrate your, your local world. So I've had some, some friends that worked in click to call and they were, you know, Google's very interested in those specific kinds of advertisers using the platform, I think, right? They, they want, they're less interested in like marketers using the platform in, in some ways as they are hairdressers and butcher people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that, uh, I don't know, I don't really know why the cost per click is cheaper, but I don't know if they go in a different auction for small business owners or something. I, I don't work yeah. at Google, yeah. but uh, with the lawyer, with the lawyer firm, we've, our, our CPCs are for sure 67% less than on the normal network. So cool. nice. Okay. Well, let's wrap it up guys. We'll have a lot more to talk about next time. This was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, if you want to get in touch with, uh, pilot houses, Google team, uh, you want to talk with Saul. So you reach out, reach out to us. We'll, we'll direct you to Saul perhaps, uh, or find him on the very early mornings rowing on the, uh, inlets of Victoria. Cause that's a, a passion of his as we didn't even get into. All right. Thanks. Eric. Nice. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks, thanks everyone. Guys. Yeah. Thanks later. for having us guys. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for coming Raf. Cheers. Cheers. Merry Christmas. All right. Thanks everyone for coming on today. That was a all killer, no filler panel with the Google team. Uh, we've got some big stuff brewing at on the D2C team that we're going to be announcing next week regarding our Snapchat course. You're not going to want to miss that. We have secured the highest spending snap uh, person, snap chat person to come and teach the course. He's a friend of mine. I'm excited to announce it. Big secret announcement next week. Have a great weekend, everyone. Uh, Cheers.